How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Catapulting Commission show. Today, we have a special treat. That treat is me. We are doing a solo episode of Catapulting Commissions today. We are going to dive into sales culture. What exactly is sales culture and why is having a dynamic sales culture important to you? Recently, I published an article on Forbes titled Four Strategies for Creating a Successful Sales Culture. Now, what I'm going to tell you on this show and what I didn't publish in Forbes is why I created this article. You see, sales culture to me is the greatest thing about being in sales. Some of my best friends and strongest relationships have come from my career in sales. Sales culture is probably the reason, not probably, let me rephrase that. Sales culture is the reason at nearly 20 years in this industry, I've only worked with three different companies. I worked for myself in a startup, not a startup. I worked for myself as a uh, 1099, as a, um, as a franchisee, for a lack of better words. I did that for six years right out of college. I wanted to make an adjustment and pivot and get some quote-unquote real-world sales experience. So I was in B2B for four years. And for the greater good of the past eight years, I've been with a major medical device company. So I definitely have experienced the pleasures of having strong dynamic sales cultures. I've also experienced when sales cultures go the other way, when a sales culture is no longer facilitating growth, when a sales culture is no longer facilitating development. And so when I see sales cultures taking a a pivot in a direction that I don't like, it makes me question whether I still want to be part of an organization. So that's why I created the article, Four Strategies for Creating a Successful Sales Culture. If you work in a sales environment right now, and you're on a team, and if people that you speak to on your team don't bring joy to your day, then you're in the wrong culture. If you're not excited to have a impactful, meaningful conversation with your manager or boss, how sometimes I'm worded, then you're in the wrong sales culture. Because the sales culture should be one blood, one family, achieving one common goal. Now, I know this seems like, oh, Google Gaga, like we all need to hug each other and sing Kumbaya. And no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is a sales culture that you wanna be a part of is being part of a team. People will work harder on a team environment than they ever will for themselves. And you want to belong to an environment like that. Nobody wants to be in a sales culture where nobody gets along. No one wants to be in a sales culture where you don't enjoy your coworkers. I can recall on my on one hand the amount of times that I was a part of a team or led a team where my sales culture wasn't intact. And I had a situation where I had a toxic individual in my sales culture, and it completely ruined the integrity of my sales team. So much so that I was angry that I ever allowed that to happen. And that 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 
area of dominating and breaking up that sales culture had such long lasting impact that I'll never do it again. I'll never allow somebody to enter my environment that'll compromise my sales culture. And if you're an individual contributor on a sales team and you feel that there's a team member that is toxic to your sales culture, voice that opinion up. Go to your managers, go to your VPs, go to your CEOs, share. This person may be talented, but they ruin the dynamic of this team. And you may get one person that's going to do great, but you're going to have 12 that are going to want to leave because they don't want to work with that one person. So creating that sales culture was was really my passion behind writing the article in Forbes. And so let's jump right into that article and let's recap these four strategies for creating a successful sales culture. Let me start with this. Excellence doesn't usually happen by chance. Likewise, building a strong sales culture doesn't happen by luck. To have a strong dynamic sales culture, it takes a plan, it takes a strategy, it takes emphasis from the top all the way down. And that was the premise on why I created that. Let's jump right into that first thing about building a dynamic sales culture. You have to get buy-in from everyone. Everyone in your organization has to be bought in to the greater good of your sales culture. And we're going to work from the bottom up. So if you're an individual contributor and you're on a sales team, your local, your regional team, or if you're an entrepreneur or a real estate agent, your office, your people you work with, that's your sales culture. Everybody that you interact with has to be bought into building a dynamic sales culture. And what is that dynamic sales culture? What's something you decide? What's your team mantra? What are you standing for? What is it that you want to achieve? What do you hear your manager say? Are you going to be the most dynamic sales team in this industry? Are you going to be the best team in your organization? Everybody that is on your team has to be bought into that goal. And here's the beautiful thing. If you're an individual contributor, you just have to worry about yourself. I'm bought into it. The great individual contributors will bring somebody along. They'll talk to the person next to them. John, are you excited about having the most impactful year this year? Jason, are you excited about growing to levels you've never seen before, right? That's the role of the individual contributor. If you're a middle manager and you manage a regional sales team or you manage a district team, you are directly responsible for driving that culture on that team. It is your 100% responsibility on what is the temperament of your sales team. Are people excited to work there? Are people unexcited to work there? Are people making money? Are they not making money? You have to get buy-in from everybody. And the way you get buy-in is you paint a picture on what's relevant to every person on the team, right? Getting buy-in is not, hey, come and, and, and respond to this goofy text message thread or, or getting buy-in is not, hey, send me a video of your funny face every week or something along. That's not buy-in. Buy-in is when people are so bought into the goal of the greater good of the team that you don't even have to mention it anymore, that it just happens naturally. And that's how you get buy-in. Here's where getting culture gets challenging. As you go up the scale, as you climb the corporate ladder, you go from that regional level to 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 a national level or, or, or a binational level, right? And you, and you get to these larger scale teams. That, that culture mentality has to be bought in all the way from the top, all the way from the bottom. And culture trumps strategy only when strategy doesn't push away culture. And what I mean by that is if you talk about culture and saying culture is important and culture is relevant, then stick with it. 
don't make culture or culture building activities expendable because you're not hitting revenue metrics. You're not hitting budget metrics because that culture creates a team that wants to stick around. Culture helps with retention. The average tenure for a sales professional in 2020 is 18 months. You look at people who work for sales industries and the average tenure is 18 months. A few years ago, that average was three years. Why are people leaving? Because the culture is sucking. So we're definitely going to fix that. So first step in building a strong sales culture, you got to get buy-in from everyone. The second step, create trust and transparency at every level. Okay. Now, trust and transparency, they're important for all departments, right? However, they typically have the biggest impact on the sales team. Now, salespeople must be able to trust that management will deliver at all times. This means delivering quality products or using resources to eliminate obstacles and objections. A dynamic sales team will naturally want to be the best, but this can only happen if they fully believe they will get support from the leadership team. If you are on the top of a sales organization and the person on the bottom doesn't trust you, you don't have sales culture. If you are in the middle of a sales organization and the person on top doesn't trust that you're going to hold up your end of the bargain, you don't have sales culture. There has to be trust and transparency from every every level, every which way you're looking at it, from the bottom up, the top down. I need to know that the people report to me, trust me, and I need to know that I can trust them and vice versa. I need to know that the person that I report to trusts me and I can trust them. Now, this doesn't mean that I need to add a boy or I need to, hey, a good job. This just means to know, this needs to know, hey, if I'm driving in a car and the road runs out and I'm going to fall off a bridge, I'm a grown adult. Just tell me you're going to fall off a bridge in 100 yards. Don't lie to me. Don't sugarcoat it for me. Don't tell me that there's everything's going to be okay when it's not. Just tell me the truth. Hey, we're going to face some upcoming obstacles, Anthony, and I want to ensure that you're prepared for it. That's trust and transparency at every level. Being able to tell the people who work for you, hey, this is going to get really ugly right now. And if you can't have that conversation, then you're not establishing trust. You're not having transparency. And that right there is going to be a bleed out of sales culture. Nobody wants to work for somebody that they don't trust. Likewise, nobody wants to have somebody in their organization that they don't trust. So it goes both ways. Now, speaking from a person who manages the team, I don't want to have to question if you're working. If you work for me, you're working. Bottom line, I don't want to have to question. And when I've been in situations where I've questioned people, I've been very direct where I've gone to my direct reports and say, hey, I'm here because I suspect or I feel this. Thankfully, I've been wrong a few times where people have been like, no, here's what's going on or here's what's going on. And it's usually an underlying issue. It's not really that they're not working hard. It's sometimes it's a combination of, hey, I'm overwhelmed. Hey, I'm discouraged. It creates a conversation, which I'm thankful for. There's also times where I've had that conversation where people aren't working. And you know what? They're no longer in my organization. So I'm okay with that as well. But trust and transparency has to take place at every level. It has to be of relevance. There can't be you're, you're trustworthy today. You're not trustworthy tomorrow. Remember, sales leaders, if the road is going to end in front of your sales team, tell them to brace for impact. Don't hide 
challenges and objections from them. Don't hide obstacles that are going to throw them off. Don't give your people who follow you a reason to believe that you don't have their best interest in heart. And sometimes having that best interest in heart is telling, hey, we're going to have some difficult times ahead. I need you to brace for impact. Simple as that, right? The days of I'm going to protect you or you don't have perspective, those days are long gone because it's 2020. Information is relevant instantly. Whatever challenges you think you're hiding from your sales force, they probably already know about it, and they rather hear about it from you than hear about it from a competitor, than hear about it from the news, than hear about it from the gossip columns. So that's what trust and transparency at every level, and that's how you create a dynamic culture in that area. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. The third area on how you create a successful sales culture. You have to show your team members you value them. People must know they are value and appreciate it in their working environment. Every salesperson wants to feel valued for their contributions. It's easy to acknowledge top performers, but the other sales representatives are often neglected. This can have a serious impact on culture. Access to large-scale communication has made it easy to communicate with everyone on your team from afar. This leads to email being the primary form of communication through a sales organization. However, I find that when you're sending mass emails, it often lacks the personal touch that the sender intends. So instead of emailing your team members once, consider implementing a gratitude schedule. In order to make people feel value, you have to express levels of gratitude. And that level of gratitude has to come in a form of personal contact, personal communication. That gratitude can't be a mass text message. Great job, guys. I really appreciate it. That, gr that gratitude can't be a mass email. Hey, sales team, we finished the month of November at 103%. Good job, guys. Yeah, those, those messages are necessary, and there's times where those messages are appropriate. However, to show team members that you value them, you have to express individual gratitude. And typically, it comes in three formats. And I'm going to share those with you right now. When you're expressing gratitude to people you value and you manage a sales team, you have to realize there's things that are important to sales professionals. The number one thing that's important to a sales professional is their revenue because that's directly reflective of their income, directly reflective of their commission, hence the catapulting commissions show. So people who are in sales care about revenue because they care about their money and they care about the necessities of life that come when you have a commission check. So here's how you express gratitude to sales professionals. They fall in one of three categories and you can pick the time metric. Is it once a week? Is it once a month? Is it once a quarter? Whatever the scenario is, right? And I would argue the lower you are in the management tree, the more often you should have these conversations. So if you manage a team of eight to 10 people, 
you should probably be expressing gratitude on a weekly basis, right? If you manage a team and you manage a team of managers and now you have a team of 40 or 50 people, you should probably have these conversations on a quarterly basis. If you run a division and you have above 100 reps, above a couple hundred reps, well, these conversations now become maybe maybe a yearly thing, maybe a monthly thing, maybe you you break it down. But everybody at some point in time should hear from you, right? Hearing from your leader at the top is one of the most impactful ways to show people you value them. And, and here's where I think the confusion happens. A gratitude phone call doesn't have to last 20 minutes. It doesn't have to last 45 minutes. It can be a three-minute phone call. And here's the three types of three-minute phone calls you can have with a salesperson in your organization. Phone call number one, this is someone who's performing at the highest level in your organization. These phone calls are typically easy. It goes, hey, Joey, I'm calling you today just to tell you, man, I, I noticed the numbers you put up in the month of March. Great job, man. I really appreciate that. It looks like you got some decent commission checks coming your way. You know, outside of the commission checks, Joey, I just wanted to reach out to you today to tell you I appreciate having you in this organization. And as we grow, you're going to grow with us, Then You're such an instrumental part in the growth we're having in 2020 or whatever year it is. You're, I'm glad. There's nowhere else I would rather have you than on this team doing what you're doing right now. I don't have a lot of time today, Joe. I mean, as you know, I manage the entire region. I manage the entire division, whatever the situation is. I just wanted to call and personally say thank you for your hard work this month. How exciting would it be to get a phone call like that from your VP? How exciting would it be to hear that praise? It took less than two and a half, three minutes to share that message, and you set the expectations. I only have a few minutes to talk to you. You can make that phone call on your drive home on your walk to your car, you can call your top performers and have that conversation. Likewise, there's your middle group, the people who kind of maybe just hit quota, just kind of missed it. They're kind of the middle of the bunch. You have the exact same conversation, but at the end, you give words of encouragement. Mike, I know you you missed. I understand that you missed, uh, you know, quota for the month of February by three points. I get it, man, a tough miss, but I'll tell you what, dude. There's no one else I would rather have in that position than you because I know the month of March isn't going to be like February and you're definitely going to bounce back. You know why you're going to bounce back? Because you care about your metrics. You care about your results. And I just want you to know I care about your results too. I want to ensure that the income that you're making in my organization matches your expectations. And if they're not, let me know how I can help you. But I just want you to hear it from me. I believe in you and there's nobody I would want to come back to have in your position after having a bad month. It's a really simple three-minute conversation to show somebody you value and you care about them. You just missed your numbers. Let them know you care about them. This is my favorite. When you have this conversation with somebody who is completely missing their number, right? Remember, we're building sales culture here. And in order to have a dynamic sales culture, everyone has to be a part of that sales culture. Everybody from the top performers to the bottom performers has to be a part of that sales culture. And included in that sales culture, those bottom performers, even though they're not profitable right now, they're not making you money, they're not helping you with your budget. They're not hitting your quota. They're not hitting projections. I mean, honestly, they're dragging your business down, right? However, they're still a part of your team. And you know what? You want that person that is having a difficult sales month, a difficult sales year to not bring down the culture of your team, because that will have a far, far worse impact than this one person having 
a bad month, a bad year. So to fix that, you have to get in front of it. And that's what showing that person you value them means so much more. Now, I understand and I get this because I've been in this position. There's times where people aren't performing and you start to question if they're the right fit and the time is to either terminate that employment, weed that person out, get them out of your organization. And when those situations arise, yeah, there's there's a more strategic approach and there's times where it is appropriate to have somebody who's no longer contributing because they don't care to because they can't or for whatever the reason to get them out of your organization. And we can have a whole different podcast show, a couple actually, on how to do that effectively and, and how to get somebody out. But right now, we're not going to talk about that. Right now, we're going to talk about the person on your team that you know is talented, that you know is committed, but they just had a bad month a bad quarter, they're running on a string of bad luck and they are not hitting the revenue projections. They're not making quota. Trust me, they know they're sucking. They don't need you to call and say you suck. But here's what that phone call looks like. You call that person, you say, Albert, hey, what's going on, man? I'm calling you, dude. I One, I, just, I can't help but let's talk about the obvious, man. The month of February just finished. You finish at 68% to plan. That can't That can't make you feel too good. Now, does it? Obviously, I was like, nah, man, it's kind of a bum deal. I feel crappy, et cetera. Well, look, Albert, I'm calling you not to talk about your numbers. I'm calling to talk about you, man. I just want you to know, dude, one, I know what it feels like to put up crappy numbers because anybody in sales leadership has done it multiple times. So I understand what it's like to put up crappy numbers, dude. It doesn't feel good. It's 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 pretty, pretty discouraging. Makes you question if you're the right fit. Is that fair? Typically, the answer is yes. Or a more tenured person is like, man, I don't know. I, I just... I can't, I can't pinpoint it, man. I don't know what happened. Well, either way, man, I just want to tell you what, dude. I know it's difficult out there. And I understand you're not making the money you, you can get. But I want to give you a situation that's far more difficult than what you just experienced right now. They're going to say, Albert's going to say, what's that? Here's the difficult situation. Albert, the more difficult situation is if you call me the next week and you said, hey, I quit because then you wouldn't be in my life anymore and you wouldn't be on this team and you wouldn't be in this organization. And this organization only moves when people like you bounce back. And there's not a doubt in my mind that you're going to bounce back. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat this because sales isn't all rainbows and daisies and this isn't going to be an easy path to success. But I'll tell you what, Albert, if you grind this thing out and we work together to find a way to get you back to where you're making the money you want, It'll feel amazing. And I'll tell you what, Albert, there's nobody I want to be in that position but you. I want you to bounce back for a couple of reasons. One, mentally, I know you need it. Financially, I know you need it. But three, the most important part, because you freaking can and I want to see you do it. Breathe that life of fire, of motivation into your bottom performers. Make them feel appreciated. Say, hey, don't feel embarrassed the next sales meeting because you didn't perform. We've all been there before and you are just as important as the person who finished number one. That's how you build culture. That's how you show people you value them. People are people. They're not a sales number, right? If you finish number one or 1,001 in the sales contest, you're still a person. It's one of the concepts I spoke about in my book. My family can give two craps if I made a half a million dollars, a million dollars, or a hundred grand last year. They don't care, right? What they care about is dad is dad, home is home, family is family, and I stand for those same values. That's how you build culture. And if you're a sales leader and you're at the top and you're listening to this, it is your responsibility. Don't let anyone else fool you. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. You are responsible for the sales culture in your organization. And the fourth and final way to build a strategy for creating a successful sales culture 
you have to develop culture warriors. Now, as I wrote this and I put this in the article at Forbes, I, I was definitely nervous because to put develop culture warriors, I was like, this, is somebody going to understand what I'm saying? Is this going to make sense? You know, and, and it got published. So I'm assuming it made sense. However, we're going to we're going to dive into it. Right. As companies grow in the scale, you need to have a distinct plan in place to maintain your dynamic sales culture. The larger you get, the more challenging it's going to be to create sales culture. And that's when a culture warrior comes into place. Culture warriors are people that take responsibility for facilitating, developing, and growing the culture of the overall organization. Typically, these people come in the form of middle management or leadership development candidates. Now, it's not always, but ideally, that's where it falls. And sometimes if you're a veteran, a lifelong sales professional, you fall into that category too. You're responsible for that sales culture. So when you're a culture warrior, you have to take pride in developing culture. The mistake happens is when people assume everyone's a culture warrior because of the title. It's just because you're promoted to middle management or because you're a field trainer or because you're in a sales leadership role or because you're a development candidate doesn't mean you're committed to the culture. And that mistake that executive management makes can be detrimental. Just because someone has been the number one rep of the year or has been a top performer doesn't mean they have the best interest of the culture in the organization. Sometimes they're in it just for themselves. It is your job as the sales executive, as a sales manager, to develop and breathe fire into that cultural warrior. So to ensure that you're doing that correctly, just like when we were talking about a few minutes ago on, on showing everybody in your organization you value them, you have that same conversation now, except it takes a spin. We'll talk about Albert again. We go back to Albert. This time, Albert's doing well. Albert's in middle management, and Albert's a culture warrior. Albert, hey, man, you are responsible for the sales team in the southeast part of the country. You have 18 people that work in your organization that work underneath you. You are responsible for that sales culture, and there is no way in the world that I will accept a bad attitude, a bad culture out of your region. Do you understand me, right? You're, you are part of this organization, Albert. You are growing, but as you want to climb up and, and achieve more responsibility and climb the corporate ladder, then the responsibility for maintaining the dynamic sales culture is more important now than it ever was before. I am entrusting you with this responsibility. When you have that conversation with that middle management or that leadership candidate, it creates accountability. It says, I am responsible for maintaining the overall positive direction of this organization. And I'm going to be held accountable to the temperament of this sales team in, in the southeast part of the country. Now, Albert may say, look, man, I can't get to all 18. I need to divide this in half. Someone's going to get nine. Someone's going to get nine. Albert goes and repeats that same conversation to his field trainers and say, you're responsible for these nine individuals. You're responsible for these nine individuals. We are going to breathe a fire of culture. And here's how we're going to do it. Now, it's not your job to say, hey, you have to do it, but I need you to be my eyes, my ears. I need you to be my echo. I need you to help facilitate this positive environment. Albert, can you do that for me? Are you with me right now, Albert? Do you understand what I'm saying? And when you've developed that culture warrior at every level, the ability to scale and grow your business at a large, large macro level is reasonable. You can do it while developing a strong sales culture. You ever look at companies that have strong sales culture? I mean, their employees are the most fired up guys online. I mean, they are 
company strong hashtag on social media. They believe in that culture because they believe in that leadership. Bottom line here, the heart of a sales organization is the sales force. The heart of any organization is the sales force. These team members are the ones on the front lines. They're the ones who are praised when revenue is high. They're also the first ones who are asked for more results when revenue projections aren't being met. Have you ever had your manager call and say, hey, can you get me one more deal? Can we get some additional revenue? Can you find some additional revenue? I know I've received those phone calls. I know I've delivered those phone calls, right? That's what we do. We are sales professionals. We, 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 it comes with the territory. I know that you need revenue to make this company run. And I know there's going to be a times you're going to call and ask me to generate more revenue. However, if you want to keep that relationship going, if you want your organization healthy, it's essential you protect that culture. And that sales culture is the heart of your organization. If the heart isn't healthy, the rest of the body doesn't function. So sales culture is the heart. Protect it, cultivate it, grow it. It has to be what you want in life. It has to be attractive. You want to retain people? Give them a dynamic sales culture. You want to make more money? Create a dynamic sales culture. You want to kick your competitor's butt? Create a dynamic sales culture. You want a sales culture where everybody in there wants to be the best, most dominant team in your respected industry. All right, guys, that's what I got for you. That article was featured on Forbes. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. Again, it was titled Four Strategies for Creating a Successful Sales Culture. If you listen to this podcast or you read the article, do me a favor, just share it. Share the article, tag me into it. I'll be giving away some free gifts, some books. I got a new workbook. I have a new Catapult and Commission sales course that's set to launch. So I'm gonna start promoting, giving that away to people who are sharing these. Uh, So do me a favor, share that for me, copy me in on it, and I'll see you on the next one. Well, that does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony P. Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time and I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions.